Good morning, everybody. It's just so wonderful to be with you again. I love talking about Jesus and his beautiful, beautiful word that's so alive. And we can just learn so much from it if we just prepare to do a little bit deeper study and see what his word says. And I love teaching the very words of Jesus because after all, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and his words have the most power. I'm going to be teach, carrying on in the teaching about the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to start at Matthew 6 to verse 11, talking about provision. So Father God, I want to thank you for this beautiful day. I want to thank you for the privilege that we have of having your word, unpacking your word, dissecting your word, and allowing your spirit to teach us everything that your word has to say about the wonderful privilege of being a child of God. Last week, I spoke to you about my most exciting topic, superimposition, and how we can literally change our lives just by coming into God's presence and asking the Spirit to work in the areas that still have life because they're still killing us, so that His life can be restored into every one of those areas. Now, from that place, friends, remember, all we've done in this time is come and worshipped Him. And we've come and said, our Father in heaven. And we've absolutely identified that his name is holy, powerful, glorious. And we've come and we've drawn the fullness of his almighty name, every part and every facet of that name, into our lives. And we've asked him to come and superimpose the kingdom of heaven and the will of God into our past, into our present, and into our future. And this is the first time now that we're going to actually talk to him about a need. And it says in Matthew 6 verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now that word give us is to bestow a gift. Will you give me the gift of what I need to live today? Friends, we're not entitled to anything. We don't come and make a command or a demand and we definitely don't beg him. We don't say, oh God, look at me, look how pity me, look how terrible it is. Da, 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 da. We just don't beg him. And we don't demand anything and we don't command anything. But what we do do is we ask him, would you give me the gift of provision for today, please? And daily bread means the bread of our necessity, the bread that suffices for the day. Now we know that Jesus um, said in John 6 verse 35, Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never become hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Now he's talking about spiritually and physically, friends. If we believe in him, we will never have lack. And if we ask him, he will be our spiritual food and our spiritual drink. Now what does it mean, that which suffices for the day? It means financially our provision. It means physically our food. It means spiritually our food. It means wisdom for the day. It means stamina for the day. It means grace for the day. Give me everything that heaven has for me to live today that I can live it well. I need the gift of life being released into my life for today. And friends, it's really important that the all-sufficient God wants to give us the all-sufficient of everything that we need. And it's really, really important for us to understand that God gives us a picture in the Old Testament of that which becomes a lifestyle, a spiritual walk in the New Testament. And so when it comes to our daily bread, we have to look at what happened to the Israelites when they were in the desert and they asked for their daily bread. 
I'm going to read to you from Exodus 16, verse 14 to 16, and then verse 19. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw this, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And that word, what is this, is the word manna. It is the manna that God has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. To take an omer for each person you have in your tent. An omer is about two liters. Verse 19 says, Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until the morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So God commanded the Israelites in the desert, I am your provider. I am your all-sufficient. I want you to learn to trust me. I want to be your daily bread. And I will provide your daily bread for you. All you've got to do is to go and collect it. But do not collect more than what is needed for one day. And friends, that's exactly what God is still saying to us. He's saying, I want to be your all-sufficiency. I want to be your provider. I want to be everything that you need. And I will provide it for you. You know, it says in Ephesians 1 verse 3 that every spiritual blessing is already waiting for us in the heavenly realms. It's already waiting. Just like the manna was on the floor waiting for them every single day, they had to go and fetch it. And they had to fetch enough for their whole family. And friends, that's what God wants us to do. He says, I have it for you. I can superimpose everything that you need today. All you've got to do is go and fetch it. How do we fetch it? We fetch it in prayer, friends. We go and ask God every day for that which we need for that day. Then we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's going to direct our path and show us which way to go because that's the purposes and the plans of God. And then from that place, friends, we can gather enough for our whole family. And that's God's provision. But they that gathered beyond that, it, got, it went off, it went rotten, and it had no value. Now in Matthew 6 verse 33 to 34, God says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, will be provided for you. Do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, friends, that doesn't mean that you live crazy lives where you don't care about anything else than just how you can uh, um, fulfill your, your desires and your pleasures for that day. It means that we are so reliant on God that we live today to the fullness so that tomorrow can be fulfilled. And you live today to the fullness of the purposes and the plans of the kingdom of heaven and the will of God using everything that God has provided for that day, so that as the day is fulfilled well, you can go into living the next day well and receiving from God what the next day has for you, friends. But the trouble is, God has to be our all-sufficient, and God has to be the one that we are putting our faith in and trusting. And if we put our faith and our trust in ourselves, friends, Whatever we put our faith and trust in, which is the treasures of this world, which I'll talk about a little later on in the next teaching, it will just turn to mildew and it will rust and it will die. It will have no value. 
Because God has got fresh manna for us, daily manna for us, that which he wants to feed us with every single day. There's only grace for one day. There's only stamina for one day. There's only wisdom for one day. And there's only provision for one day and nourishment for one day. You know, one of the things that I marvel at, I'm a, I'm a nursing sister by profession and a midwife. And one of the things that I marvel at is the fact that when a baby is breastfed, do you know that the mother's milk changes daily? according to the brain development of that particular child. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how God created a woman that her breast milk will change daily according to the needs of the nourishment and the provision of that particular baby daily? So the breast milk changes every single day for where that particular baby's development is. How glorious is God? And that's why the baby needs fresh breast milk every single day from the mom to be the most perfect provision for that baby's needs. Until that baby comes into the place where the mom can train it to feed itself. I think that's absolutely amazing. And you know, friends, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony here. Because many years ago, when I started my journey with serving Jesus, my path wasn't what it is today. I was, um, my whole life's desire and everything that interested me was in acting, in singing and becoming a professional actress and becoming known on stage and music and stage and just, just absolutely uh, being somebody that loved the theater world. And that was my heart's desire. And that's what I had set out to study. But then I encountered Jesus and then I met the lover of my soul. And as I started growing in my walk with Jesus, suddenly I realized that I had to ask him to come and let his will be done and his purposes be done in my life. And I'll never forget the day in 1975 when I was walking down a passage at the place that I was working at that time. Because you see, I had um, got a job so that I could make money so that I could further my career. And you see, God never wants us to make money, friends. We were not called to make money. It's under the curse that by your own sweat and brow, you will earn from the ground. That is part of the curse. Jesus came to set us free from the curse. And he doesn't want anybody to have a job to make money. He wants us to fulfill our predestined call, which will provide our daily needs. And I was walking down this passage, just praying and speaking to Jesus and just loving on him and so excited that I found Jesus and saying, God, what is your will for my life and what is your plans that you have for me? And friends, God spoke to me audibly in my spirit and I will never forget that moment and I will never forget that day because it changed my life forever. And in that moment, God said to me, I want you to go nursing. I had never dreamt about going nursing. It wasn't even in my wildest thought plans. In fact, when I left school, I said I'll never be a nurse and I'll never be a teacher and I'll never work in an office. And all those things that I had made my decision and plan that I'll never be was actually part of everything that God had planned for me. He called me to be a nurse. And later on, friends, I went on to become a teacher. But in that moment, he said, Kathy, I want you to go nursing. And I said, God, whatever it is that you have, I want to do that. And friends, I was obedient to that day's provision from God. I went and I put my name down for nursing school. It was the easiest thing on earth. I, the doors just flew open. I was registered for the next intake in, in, in the beginning of um, 1976. 
suddenly I had a, a an opportunity open for me. I had an income that was going to cover my daily my daily provision. I had a home because I could go and stay in the nurse's home. And I went into my journey of fulfilling the call of God in my life. And I can tell you now, nursing was the greatest passion of my life. I loved nursing. I loved training. It was so easy. Nothing was difficult. There was such a grace on it. I was passionate about the patients. I was in love with Jesus. I was in love with my patients. I went through my study so easily. Nothing was difficult. There was just such a grace of God. He just provided the stamina, the grace, the wisdom, the provision, the food. I went on later on to to do my midwifery. And I then also spent some time in psychiatric wards and working with psychiatric patients. And he gave me such a, a vast expanse of understanding of human nature and what people feel like and look like and experience in brokenness and through fear and through anxiety and when their bodies aren't well and I absolutely loved my nursing days and I was so grateful to God and I I was I nursed until the day that I went into full-time ministry for him and it was such a passion I didn't think I could love anything more than what I loved my nursing and that was God changing destiny to bring heaven to earth and you know friends it was nursing that gave me a love for people It was nursing that gave me the ability to be able to understand people, to be able to look at people and see beyond their behavior and to see what's operating in their heart. It was nursing that grew my discernment. It was loving the patients that taught me to serve. It put such incredible foundations in my life. I will never forget that day. And it stemmed out of saying, God, what is it that you have for me? and asking God to provide my daily bread friends because it's far more than just say please give me the food to eat and the finances to exist it's asking him for the very plan for today so that you can fulfill tomorrow well and he says do not worry about tomorrow because it's got enough cares of its own but I'm going to be there to provide everything that you need for tomorrow and you know friends I saw such miracles in my nursing days it taught me such faith I remember that as a a few young nurses we would get together and we would pray together and we would celebrate together and we would worship together and it just gave me a whole new family of people that love Jesus and that was just such a powerful exciting thing and one of the greatest memories that I have of being a first year student and um, we heard about a young man that, that had been in an accident and he was considered to be brain dead. And, but he was still alive. His heart was still beating. And we heard that they were going to take this young man to theater and remove his organs so that they could donate his organs. And friends, I was horrified. I thought, God, there's still life in him. That can't happen. It can't happen. And we got together as little first-year nurses with this incredible faith and incredible love for Jesus and love for people and just a faith that said, God, I believe it. That settles it. You'll do it. And we got together and we got and we prayed for this young man and we petitioned heaven for this young man. You know, friends, I don't know his name and he will never know ours. But the next day or the day after, I can't remember how soon after that the theater was booked. He was being pushed into theater, friends. When he woke up, he woke up. And he was absolutely fine. And God restored the life of a young man because there were a few little nurses, first year nurses that were passionately in love with Jesus. 
and we're in the right position and the right time to bring heaven's order into this world. God superimposed his kingdom because there were a group of nurses that believed that God could do anything. And friends, I want to tell you, that is the glory of serving our God and knowing how to pray. And that is the glory of asking God to give us this day our daily bread. You see, friends, you don't just ask God to provide your pennies. But you ask him to give you the blueprint of how you can go and collect what you need for today and onwardly know how to collect what you need for the days to come. What do you want me to do differently so that I can live in the fullness of my daily provision, my daily receiving from heaven? Every spiritual blessing is already waiting for you in heavenly places. It's already there, friends. The manna is on the ground. What do you need to do to bring it home? That's what our prayer is all about, friends. Give us this day our daily bread. It's asking God for the blueprint. It's already in heaven. It's waiting for me. You've already done it. What do I need to do to bring it in? What do I need to do? Jesus is everything we need, friends. He is the bread of life. It's time in his presence. It's hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's hearing the direction and the purposes of the kingdom of heaven on earth and the will of God in earth. That's what we have to be and do, friends. That's what we've got to collect. And then it goes on to the next verse that talks about repentance and forgiveness. And remember, I told you that for us to be able to break free of the past, it takes repentance and it takes forgiveness. Repentance breaks the legal right the enemy has to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And forgiveness sets our heart free that we can walk in the fullness of what God has got for us, friends. It's just glorious. He goes on then to say, Matthew 6 verse 12, And forgive us our debts. That word debt means that which we owe, the offenses, and that which we are guilty of. That's been unjust. Or that which we are legally guilty of. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Debtors are those who owe us, that have not made amends with us, that have sinned against us. So it says, forgive us as we forgive. Friends, that as means at the same measure. It is a scale. As you forgive, as you put things on the scale, God will do the balance of that scale. If you don't do it, God's not going to do it. And that's the most scary thing, friends, because God says, if you do not forgive, I cannot forgive you. Now, why does he say that, friends? Because we have to understand the power of forgiveness. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died. And the power of his blood in Romans 3 verse 24 completely renders us innocent of anything that we've been guilty of, friends. But you know, he didn't only take our sin on himself. He took the sin of every single person that has ever existed on this earth and ever going to exist on this earth. And he put it all upon himself. And it was so dark and so deep and so evil that when he had the weight and the fullness of that sin and debt and evil on himself, the father could not look at him, friends. And then he didn't only die on the cross, but he was whipped that no one could recognize him. Every single part of his body experienced pain. He was so damaged that people could not even recognize it was Jesus. And then he hung there in the fullness of the depth of the deepest darkness. Absolutely slaughtered. 
and he died so that every single thing that has ever been an offense to heaven that has been guilt, debt, transgressions on earth was forgiven by his death. Now, friends, when we refuse to forgive, what we're saying is, Jesus, your death was enough for me and for all the good ones. But what that person did, your death wasn't enough for them. And therefore, I have to harbor unforgiveness toward them so that I can punish them because you didn't do enough. That, friends, is the greatest offense to the father. The father that gave his very son to go through all of that and turned his face away from his son, that his son had to go there on his own to that depth of, of sin and shame and, and trauma. And then we say that wasn't enough because I'm going to punish that person by my unforgiveness. The father says, I'm afraid if you do that, I cannot forgive you because the blood of my son wasn't enough for you. Friends, it's a terrible, terrible place to be. And it doesn't matter how long you've served God and it doesn't matter how many fabulous things you've done for God. If you do not forgive, God cannot forgive you. And Jesus is very strong about this. And Jesus is very, very serious about this. And so he says, and when you pray, after you've asked God to be your all-sufficiency for that day and to lead you into all-sufficiency for that day, repent and forgive those, forgive them that have done anything against you that have caused an offense in your life. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. So now he's spoken about daily provision. He's spoken about repentance. And now he's talking about the influence of the evil one in our lives. And he says, and lead us not into temptation. Now we can be led into temptation by harboring unforgiveness and harboring anger. Then we've opened the door to the evil one. Or we can be led into temptation because we're vulnerable and we're weak. But he says, where you are weak, I'm strong and I will protect you. Or we can be led into temptation because sometimes God allows us to be tested because it's a test of love for our growth. And what we're saying is, God, don't let me be tested more than I can cope with in you. Because only in you am I able to cope with that. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. That means deliver if there's a demonic force operating in your life. Or it means rescue us from evil. Now that word evil means hardships. It means wickedness. It means malicious behavior. It means harmful behavior. It means what's derelict, what's diseased. But it also means the evil one or the devil himself. But deliver us from the onslaught of the devil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so the Lord's Prayer is a very simple prayer. Come into that secret place. Shut the doors to anything that can distract you. Speak to Dad. He's our Father. We are all His children. Absolutely recognize how holy and how sanctified and how pure he is. Usher his kingdom and his will into earth. Let it superimpose earth as it is established, fixed and pre-planned in heaven. Ask him to provide everything that you need for 
that day, one day at a time. Let him be your all sufficient and let him teach you how to live in that place where you can draw from his all sufficiency. And then forgive, 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 forgive. And then be strong in God and stand against temptation with his help. That's a daily prayer, friends. How simple is that? But then he goes on to once again talk about forgiveness because he is so serious about the message of forgiveness. In verse 14 he says, If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their transgressions, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your transgressions. Friends, I don't want to just go on teaching. I want to leave you in this place where I want to really ask you today, what unforgiveness are you harboring? Who are you still holding accountable for something that they did many, many years ago? How bitter is your heart, full of malice, full of rage? How active is your mind regurgitating and nursing and rehearsing old pain? When God wants you to be set free, that's still killing you. It still has a legal right to kill you. The enemy is still using past experiences to destroy you every single day. God wants to superimpose that with his power and his glory and his healing. He wants to come into that place with life and life and abundance because he is still there. And he's still working even though you might think it's your past. He is still actively working there. And he wants to restore. Friends, was the blood of Jesus not enough? For you to forgive someone? Do you think by you not forgiving them that somehow you are punishing them? You know, I heard somebody say once that unforgiveness is like poison, but you're drinking it thinking that someone else is going to die. You're killing yourselves. You know, friends, it starts off with a, a deception, believing that somehow the offense is, is does not deserve forgiveness. Then it goes on to unforgiveness. And before we know it, there are seven demons attached that brings us into a place of bitterness. And a bitter person is operating in the fullness of the character of the enemy. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil or from the character, the bad nature of Satan himself. Friends, I want to ask you today, I can't go past this moment without inviting you to repent. Just forgive them. Just forgive them. How do you forgive them? You say, God, I'm making a choice. The feeling is not there, but I'm making a choice. You know what happened. I don't have to tell you again. You know all things, but I'm choosing to forgive them. Vengeance is yours, not mine, and you're a just God. And now I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless every single thing about them. Friends, an undeserved curse cannot take root. It will go back to where it came from, where it finds a wall of blessing. And as you start blessing that person, blessing them for being alive, blessing their finances, blessing their children, what are you doing? You're giving them the opportunity to get to know their Savior as well. But more than that, friends, you're breaking the curse of unforgiveness off yourself. And you will realize that the more you bless them, the quicker the emotion of forgiveness will come. And one thing that I've seen in my life, that every time I've had to forgive, and, and there have been times when I've had to forgive things that were incredibly unjust, unjust and unrighteous. 
We have had to forgive things that were so evil and dark. But I chose to forgive and I chose to bless. And you know, friends, what happens in those moments is that God turns that anger and that bitterness and that pain in your heart into mercy and compassion. And then instead of seeing them through the eyes of pain and brokenness, you see them through the eyes of deep compassion that you can say, I see how broken they are and they don't know what they are doing. So friends, this is your hour. This is your moment. This is your encounter with Jesus to forgive. You haven't heard this by coincidence today. You've heard this because God is speaking to you. Just let it go. And as you forgive and as you worship God and as you ask God to break the soul tie that's been established with that toxic relationship and the soul tie that was established with unforgiveness, he will set you free, friends. He comes to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free and to release from prison those that are in the prison of bitterness, hatred, murder, unforgiveness and incredible rage. Just let it go because God is ready to superimpose. And I want to tell you, when God superimposes, he gives you every single thing that heaven has waiting and available for you today so that you can live today, tomorrow, and every day after that in the greatest success, the greatest glory, and the greatest power of the kingdom of heaven. The prayer ends with, for yours is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And that's what God gives us, his kingdom, his power, and his glory, the full dunamis power that the Holy Spirit gives us and offers us in 1 Corinthians 12. And the glory, the doxa, the dignity, the honor, the magnificent, the exalted state, the presence of the supernatural power of God is made available to us as well. God bless you, beautiful friends. Until we chat again, this is Kathleen Delahunt. Goodbye. <music>